Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Good afternoon, David. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. I know that my job is easy today. I get to learn from the masters. Uh, You've brought another guest on the show. Can you go ahead and do the intro? Sure. Thank you so much. This episode, we have Joe Brady, who is CEO Americas for the Instant Group. Hi, Joe. How are you today? Hi, David. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Doing well for 2020, if you know, have to have that caveat. (laughs) Exactly. Before we kind of, you know, get, get into some of the questions I have, I was wondering if you could just for, you know, for our listeners who have not heard of the instant group, if you could just talk a minute about what the company does and what your role entails with the company. Sure. Uh, happy to. The instant group is a workspace innovation company. In, in essence, we help, we enable agility for our clients. We do so on a multiple levels with a global marketplace called instantoffices.com, where we've got the most robust supply of operators anywhere and an enormous demand on a monthly basis. So we're able to track in over 2,500 cities across the globe and place folks in space, particularly serviced office space. We also work in a corporate solutions side of things, working with large corporates to help them achieve more agility in their portfolio. And Part of that is also delivering a a partnered managed enterprise approach where we actually take principal and capital risk and do a complete turnkey build out for uh, for our clients. So it's it's really a a company that focuses on agility and flexibility. I, I joined in December after working for several years, working for Walgreens, leading up the real estate portfolio there. So I got to I got to see what inflexibility <laughs> looks like, having 150 million square feet in portfolio, and and now I'm focused on uh, working with clients, and our our whole team globally works with clients, helping to inject that flexibility into into workspace. Yeah, agility and flexibility seem like two very important terms right now. I would think. You know, the elephant in the room is that we're in this year where folks are having to reassess how they do everything. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is like, you know, given the nature of your business, given the clients that you have, getting some insights into like, what, what are the conversations that are happening and what do we think is going to happen with office space, essentially? You know, it's interesting because I've, I've spent much of my career on the retail side. David, I feel like I've seen this movie. It wasn't that long ago when... A large asset base controlled and ruled the day for retailers. If you were a consumer, you had to go to a brick and mortar store. And what we've seen here, particularly over the last five to 10 years, is this rise of technology, age of acceleration in terms of of accessibility, technology, connectivity. And so consumers have gone to take kind of the supremacy in the relationship. And so retail has gone multi-channel where consumers can access a brand via an app. They can drive to a store, they can order online, pick up in store. In the case of Walgreens, go through a drive-through. There were many people saying there's gonna be a death of brick and mortar as a result of this. Everything we ever would want 
will be delivered by Amazon. While Jeff Bezos has become the wealthiest guy in the world or in the history of man, what we've also seen is an ever more increasing importance in brick and mortar, even though online and even though multi-channel exists. So the store has not died. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because up until the pandemic, the inertia of having a monolithic central office was a, was was really unbroken. And, and so people went to offices because of a myriad of reasons, certainly community and collaboration, but also the presenteeism and, and the idea that you couldn't necessarily manage unless you saw someone in a seat. So if you think about it, we as humans, we're the same people spending our money. And then when it comes to making our money, there's this drive toward autonomy that um, that's now available because the pandemic has broken the inertia of having to go to the office every single day. What we've seen in the last seven months is that most businesses haven't, aside from food and beverage and whatnot, I'm talking corporates and, and more of the knowledge economy, what we've seen is many haven't missed a beat. Business as usual is maintained, but with a switch from 96% of people working in offices of some sort to the same 96 working from home, businesses have seen they haven't missed a beat, yet they're still paying for, uh, and in some instances, the cost of occupancy is the second or third largest cost of the company. They're still paying for all that space. So one of the things that we've seen, what we what we did at, probably at the end of March, was to put together a consortium, which we've called the Agile CRE, Corporate Real Estate Think Tank. And we went out and decided to crowdsource what people were thinking and what they were doing. Since the end of March, we've interviewed over 80 corporate real estate leaders, both owners, investors, occupiers, service providers, architects, and whatnot. And it's just been fascinating to go through and listen to the various stages that that we've gone through. First, it was, okay, how are we going to keep business going once everyone goes home? And then and then it started turning, returning the return to the office. Many people call it return to work, which I find funny. It's kind of akin to saying a hot water heater. You don't really need a, a water heater if the water's hot, right? So it's just a water heater. But people are saying return to work. And the, the, the point is we've been working for the last seven months. And, and I think What's coming out of some of the research and the, and, and the conversations we've had is this idea that the human, the worker, who's also the consumer, uh, in my retail analogy, is really going to be looking for choice and, and really have a purpose in order to go to a particular place for work to be done. That's not to say the office is dead. It's absolutely not dead. But I do think Right now, there's a there's quite the issue uh, in in places like New York, in Chicago, where I'm located, San Francisco, and Montreal, where you have dense urban core areas (CBDs) where majority of people travel there through public mass transit, and you have high rises that have elevators and so forth. And uh, you know, right now, and in, you know, unless and until there's a vaccine, and then probably even thereafter. We're just not seeing the the bulk of people returning to those offices. But what we are seeing, though, interestingly enough, 
is in, say, the New York City area, even though demand for, for flexible office space is down in Manhattan itself, it's up by as much as 40% in the collar commuter communities like uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, and Westchester County, New York, Connecticut, and Long Island. So we're, we're seeing a change, and, and the pendulum's been swinging quite a bit. I, companies now, corporates now, are starting to settle in and start to, starting to think through what's next, how do we bring people back to the hub office, and should they have choice with uh, satellite offices, be it a hub and spoke or some other configuration. So you, we are at the point where, where, where companies are actually making, not just thinking about that, but actually making those kinds of decisions. We are, yes. We're seeing in London, we're seeing in the United States that some are now looking at suburban areas for additional placement. What I would tell you right now, David, is everyone is thinking in terms of a bridge. You know, how do we bridge from today to when the next normal is going to happen, when we have some level of certainty, because clearly right now we still have massive uncertainty, whether it's the election, whether it's civil unrest, and of course, uh, probably the biggest level of uncertainty is the pandemic. So because of that, and because of the constraints that many, many people have working from home, it's it's been important for corporates to say, how can how can we provide a clean, safe environment for our employees to work, even if they're not coming to the hub, hub, you know, home office, as it were, the hub core location? And so uh, we're seeing quite a bit of an uptick in suburban flexible office space being accessed, close to the retail community, working with some REITs that are looking to add flexible office space and spaces that were otherwise old Sears locations, as an example. So folks are starting to make those moves. That is, yeah, that's that's super interesting to hear because, I mean, this whole suburban, urban question, well, I mean, you know, I'm sitting here in Brooklyn and my office is in Manhattan, but, you know, I've been working from Brooklyn this whole time. I'm actually from Bergen County, so you name dropped that too, so that was cool. But, you know, we're recording this pod- podcast. All three of us are in different, I forget, wh- where exactly are you right now? I am in uh, western suburbs of Chicago. Eric is in Omaha. I'm in Brooklyn. You're in Chicago. We're recording a podcast. So, like, you know, this is the kind of thing that, you know, you'd have to be in a studio at some point. But we're, right. this is the kind of thing. So it just, I think it mirrors this, this what you're talking about, this ability to, to do the work without being in that, that office setting. Watching all the discussion about what's going to happen with Manhattan, seeing the statistics that we're seeing for the residential market in New York city now with massive discounts on rents and people getting free months rent and having all these office towers in Manhattan that are only partially uh, occupied, right. You know, for however long that's going to be. But then I guess my question about that was like, okay, so yeah, it's easy to, to say, right. It's dead, but you know, is it too rash to jump to that conclusion? There's, clearly going to be these kind of new decisions made the hub and spoke model. Like these are suburban flex office. It's, you know, just, just figuring out how much there might be rebalancing is, is sort of this big open question that I've been trying to get my head around. So it's really interesting to hear what you're saying about, you know, corporations are not just, I was one thing I was wondering is like, are companies just kind of 
assessing all the possibilities, but like, you know, trying to kick the can down the road a little more before making any long-term occupier decisions. But it sounds like co- companies actually are, you know, confident enough to, to, to start doing, you know, the, making these kind of calls. The really thoughtful corporate real estate executives who've probably seen a number of cycles, albeit this is beyond anything any of us have ever seen, are experienced enough to say we don't want to make a we don't want to make a rash decision. We've seen the pendulum swing. How do we get some flexibility and agility during this this bridge period? So I think there's this this bit of a move towards some flexible space to the extent that you have to make a decision. There are many businesses that are growing, particularly in the tech area uh, that we're seeing. I mean, uh, companies like Red Hat that are growing 20, 30% a year in EBITDA, and, and, and you have Amazon Web Services that continue, continues to grow and, and a host of others. So while it's dire for some companies, it's really been a, a very, very productive time for others like Netflix, because I think we've all watched every series that we could on Netflix here as of late. But companies want to be, mm-hmm. I think the smart ones are trying to avoid playing the pendulum game, but they're, they're trying to understand what a multi-channel distributed workplace ecosystem is going to look like. Again, if, if the power is, is just like it is in the retail analogy where the power is now in the consumer's hands, and if a bit more of the power of, of location is put in the, the workers' hands, the employees' hands, they're going to decide what they have to do on a particular day, and the modality of work is going to drive the address where that work takes place. So if you and I, David, had uh, you know a day filled with heads down, concentration, task-oriented work, why, why commute anywhere if you have the ability to work from home and you can gain two hours back from whatever commute you may have. And, you know, you've attained this sort of work-life balance that that maybe wasn't apparent before if you were on the hamster wheel, flying all over, doing everything. So I think there is that, that human element that, that comes in ab- around time. Now, we've been around for 20,000 gener- generations. We are hardwired, tribal, interactive people. We can't do this solo. We can't do it on a two-dimensional screen. So there is a there's a there's a tremendous need to get together, and and that need can be satisfied in Midtown at a at your core headquarters. There'll probably be times you know call it two days a week where it makes sense to be there. There may be a an office that's um, in Upper Saddle River that you could go to in order to get out of the house, have an industrial internet connection, have access to a printer, have your team there. It could be somewhere close to your clients. Work near home, work near client. These are all concepts that many people are talking about. But I think ultimately we're not gonna we're not gonna know for sure until those employees and workers vote with their feet and we'll see how they react, which is why it's gonna be really, really difficult to make hard and fast long-term decisions. So, you know, now more than ever, and I think you just brought you brought it up when we started talking. Flexibility and agility are going to be two essential components. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me, you know, just having, again, working in offices for over 20 years and to edit magazines, to do websites, now to do podcasts. And through that time, like, it also seemed there were, there were, 
dominant models of how a lot of most companies would be occupying office space. We went from like cubicles and enclosed offices to everybody having open offices. And, but then one, one of the things that always seemed problematic, even about both of those was that they were too much of a one size fits all approach for all roles and all people and all locations. When it seems like one of the important, one of the opportunities right now with kind of like having this chance to reassess and partially taking safety into consideration, but also taking into what your company's doing and what people are doing. And, you know, are they client facing? Are they internal facing? What, you know, based on their roles, are they a more of a team oriented role? Is it a more of an individual role? And really like thinking much more creatively about what occupations, you know, like office occupier strategies could be and like that, could, how that could vary days of the week, you know, for some people or roles that need that just inherently would be more office space and roles that would be more inherently not rather than everybody having a designated work area in, in, in a bullpen kind of thing. I don't know. So those are, it just seems like, the, like, you know, just me spitballing that, like it, it does present that sort of an opportunity right now. And it is interesting to hear, you said that you've got this, the, the think tank that you've put together and to be able to talk to all of these corporate real estate leaders to, to sort of see how, what they're thinking about, about these same questions. Yeah, David, that topic of design is a really important one. And that's, that's come up time and time again in, in our agile CRE think tank. If you, if you think about traditional office space, that's either a headquarters or a, you know, regional headquarters or a hub, probably 70% of that space built out is private workspace in some way, shape, or form, be it offices or, like you said, the cubicles to the open benching. And 30% was probably collaboration space. So small conference rooms, boardrooms, big, big meeting rooms. And what our design experts that we've talked to seem to indicate is a future where that, that ratio is inverted, where only 30% of the space will be used for private touchdown workspace. It, you, you would go in and you'd reserve a, a, a place to work. But by and large, 70% of it would be earmarked for collaboration. So everything from a, a two-man huddle room up to a boardroom and everything in between, including some interesting components of what's, uh, you know, everyone has to make up a word, right? So this notion of resimercial, <laughs> where you have these conference rooms that aren't necessarily beanbags, but they're, it's soft seating, you know, and, and you've got, you have your whiteboards and you have your flat screen TVs, but it's a bit more chill where you could go in and hang out for a couple of hours if you're contemplating big thoughts and trying to generate ideas and, and, and solve big problems in, in, in a different way. And so many companies too, when I was at Walgreens, we, we opened a 200,000 square foot office in Chicago in downtown in what is called the old post office. And the idea was to uh, was to take a company that was based in Deerfield, Illinois, on the North Shore of Chicago, basically an hour and a half from the loop or the downtown, and create a space similar to the idea of live, work, play, and how do we get uh, uh, IT, innovation, e-commerce, tech talent excited to be working at Walgreens that's a 118-year-old company. So the, the, the elements of resimercial started coming out there, started seeing it. Even, even the idea of, of, of just enabling public space to be 
available for gathering, meeting, uh, engaging, and communicating, creating. Those were those were all really important elements. And so that 70-30 will be something really interesting for us to track. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We're also seeing other industries like law firms, the law firm and the law industry, where by and large, everyone had their own office. Well, for the last seven months, everyone's worked from home. And again, they haven't missed a beat by and large. For the first time, and I've, I've spoken with a number of CEOs of different law firms, they're, they are rethinking space as to what that means. Certainly the, the senior partners who probably live in large houses, well-appointed, you know, places uh, didn't mind riding, riding out the, the pandemic, but some of the junior partners, the younger lawyers really need to have that interaction, that mentorship. You know, law firms tend to be partnerships that pay out profits at the end of the year to the partners. And if you could save some money on occupancy, then you're, you're making the, the firm that much more profitable. And that's a good thing for, for the shareholders. So these thoughts, you know, this balance between how much space do we need? Where does that space need to be? How do, how do our employees use it? These are all questions that are being thought about and tackled right now. Yeah. And I mean, and that actually touches on another area that I've certainly heard people mention a lot, which is one of the pain points for this period is, is for newer employees or younger employees, the folks that need mentorship, the, the folks that you're trying to onboard, the folks that are, you're trying to get part of your culture, that process has been it's been one thing for folks that already kind of like know their roles, know that, you know, know everybody they work with to adapt. But this question of like for, for newer parts of newer members of the team or people just starting out the challenge of training and integrating them in, into, in, into, into teams and developing them. And is, has that, is that a point that's also been coming up as part of um, the conversations you've been having and, and the role that the physical office will play in the future for dealing specifically with that part of the equation? Well, without a doubt, and I think one of the loudest voices is, has been Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan, where he's he's coined, and I've, I've heard many people use the the term now, this this notion of combustion that happens when you when you have multiple you know multiple people together with diverse points of view, engaging in a freestyle approach. It's not a you know it's not a scheduled two dimensional Zoom call. And so for that reason, J.P. Morgan is, is thinking and is bringing people back faster than probably other companies are doing because they recognize the, the casual collisions that happen at the water cooler that you talk about, uh, the notion of helping develop uh, and foster and forward culture. We at Instant, we're, you know, we're relatively small company, uh, although we're global, we just brought on a, a head of portfolio strategy and business intelligence uh, based in Charlotte. Well, fortunately, this gentleman is a former colleague and, and friend. And so ha that, that's been, a, that's been a, a leg up in terms of sharing culture and giving the inside scoop and giving the lay of the land and who's who and what's what and what are we trying to do here. But I would think in a larger corporate setting, it would be much more difficult to recruit higher and on board. And, and at the end of the day, all of these real estate decisions are migrating uh, away from what historically has been a cost center, like looking at 
looking at it from a CFO's perspective. And it's really squarely in the HR, chief HR officer's purview. All of what we're doing, and it's it's really become more evident now than ever, is, is to focus on the idea of retaining best talent, recruiting new talent, and really driving productivity. Because at the end of the day, the space that's there should be driving productivity. This next normal uh, will, will be, is the challenge. People are thinking about it from many different approaches. I would say first and foremost, in the built environment, health and safety is paramount and probably will be for the foreseeable future because, you know, I think all of us are armchair epidemiologists now, right? So it doesn't sound like COVID-19 is going to go away. Uh, it's just that we have to learn to live with it. So there's that. So health and safety first and foremost, and then connection, collaboration, creativity, community. Those are all things that are that are, have to be carefully curated by, by companies so that their employees feel like they they have purpose that they're that they can master what uh, what it is they're doing and that they can have, have some autonomy doing it and and so if that autonomy means I'm going into the you know Midtown Manhattan office or I'm going and I'm Chicago going into the Loop uh, twice a week so be it and and maybe I'm working somewhere close to my house one day I'm working from home a couple of other days and. You know, it's just at the end of the day, it's going to be about delivering productivity in whatever role you have. That's a good thing. Laptops have gotten really light as well, I think, for, for that process. Uh, right. <laughs> All right. I like my Microsoft Surface. Yeah. It's very light. It seems to, and, it, and it works. Yeah, it's great. It's a great little computer. I think that's well. Now that we've done a product placement there, I think that's probably a good, um, <laughs> a good place to wrap things up. I appreciate so much um, for you coming on the show and diving into some of these insights. I guess, actually, sorry, one quick question is, you know, th this, the information that you've been gleaning from this ThinkTech, is that, is that stuff that's publicly available through your website or how can people kind of learn from, from what you're doing? So we are relaunching our website at theinstantgroup.com. And so in, in that, we have an area called Breakthrough Insights which is one of our strategic drivers as a company. Those interested will be able to find summary of conversations we've had and the insights that we've gleaned from the different CRE leaders across four different continents. Great. Well, I look forward to uh, being able to check that out. Thanks again for, for coming on the show and for, for sharing all this with our audience. Thanks, David. It's been great. Dave and Joe, this was fantastic. All I can say is, Joe, you're you're brilliant, obviously. That's why David brought you on the show in the first place. And then the last part is, really, if Ocean Spray can sponsor a guy on a skateboard with a truck and a <laughs> truck full of Ocean Spray, I think that Microsoft might be able to do something, David, well, you know, for mentioning them. But, you know, that's just my thought. We'll, we'll need to have some Fleetwood Mac playing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, love, yes. I love that meme. Yeah, that's awesome. Know, right? It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. This was a fantastic podcast. And, of course, the last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.